This is the first in a series of articles on joy. And the first one is called, this one is called, Joy, the Neglected Commandment. I'm Robert Prince. I was anything but joyful. Over the previous few years, my workload had increased bit by bit with family, at work, at home, and in the ecclesia. I had to structure my days and weeks so that I could fit in the maximum amount of activity to keep up with the ever-growing demands on my time. However, as much as I loved serving the Lord, under all the pressure and constant exhaustion, I lost my joy. Now, serving the Lord was no longer a pleasure. It was a chore. Now my days were no longer filled with happy anticipation. They were filled with dread. I no longer looked forward to the things I once enjoyed, like speaking, writing, serving in the ecclesia, because it was all just another thing to do. Just another pressure. And I realised that my joy was missing. So I took on another project. I did a study on joy which I was to present at our Bible class. One week into the presentations, and it all fell apart. One Sunday afternoon, my asthma started to play up. I felt my stress levels rise. Unscheduled events destroyed my finely balanced timetable, and I had a major breakdown. A burnout. The burnout, anxiety, Depression and chronic fatigue would take seven years and counting to recover from. That Sunday night, I was reduced to a shaking jelly, crying uncontrollably on the bed with no strength left for anything. Most of my commitments and responsibilities had to go. All I could cope with was surviving and sleeping. But I was determined that if there was one thing left that I was going to do, I was going to finish the remaining four sessions of joy. And it was hard work, really hard. But the Bible study and the presentations I did on joy at that time gave me the basis for my healing and kept the worst of my mental health issues at bay. The words joy and rejoice occur about 357 times in the Bible. On the other hand, the word atonement occurs about 70 times through the Bible. Atonement has nine letters in it, and it's a long and complicated word. Many people have no idea what it means. Joy has three letters in it, and everyone has some idea of what joy means. Now that's interesting, isn't it? In our magazines and in our Bible classes and Bible schools, the proportion of talks, discussions and arguments on the atonement would far outweigh the discussion on joy. Yet, according to the proportion of times these words are used in the Bible, joy should be the more important topic. And I'm not saying it's wrong to discuss topics like the atonement. We need to do so. They are very important. But we need to keep perspective on what God wants us to understand and live out in the things that are really important. That's why I felt it was important for me to do a study on joy. 
One reason we're drawn to topics like the atonement, last day prophecy, and many of our basic doctrines is because there is something to debate. In many ways, they're quite complicated topics. People have a huge range of ideas and beliefs surrounding them. And of course, our own personal ideas and our own personal beliefs are always the right ones. It's everyone else that needs to change. God tells us to have joy. But joy seems too simple. It's so simple, we don't even feel the need to talk about it. Instead, we prefer to contend for the meanings of disputed Bible verses so that we can defend the truth against decay. We would rather argue black and blue in a debate to prove God and ourselves right. Yet when we argue and fight over the things that are right, we lose our joy. The very thing God wants us to keep. When we're so busy serving God and doing what is good, we make ourselves miserable by fighting about debatable topics and attending meetings until we drop. We focus on the complicated things of faith and the great tasks, and we lose the basics. Just like the spiritual leaders did in Jesus' day. Just like I did. We get so tied up in what is happening all around us, finances, pandemics, work and the rush of a busy lifestyle, that joy is pushed out. Are we trying to please God in the complicated things while ignoring his simple commandments? So let's focus in on joy. It doesn't matter if you don't understand all the ins and outs of the atonement or last day prophecies. Have joy anyway. God wants us to be joyful. He wants all of us to be filled with joy and to show it in the way we live. Let's find out what sort of a commandment this is. Is it just that joy is mentioned a lot or are we actually told specifically that we must have joy? Is joy just another thing to add to our list of things to do or should it be a pleasure? I want you to listen carefully to some of the direct instructions the Bible gives us about showing joy in our lives. Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Now here's a simple commandment telling us we need to shout for joy. And look again. If you live here on earth, it's addressed to you. It's a direct instruction straight from the word of God telling you and me to shout for joy to the Lord. When we argue, when we shout at each other, we lose our joy. We should be shouting for joy instead. Psalm 33 verse 2. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Here's another direct instruction to sing joyfully to the Lord. Let me assume something about you. If you're listening to this, I would think that you are someone who at least desires to be upright or righteous. And if that is so, then this is an invitation for you. Sing joyfully to the Lord. And I certainly don't think that that is restricted to a Sunday morning. Psalm 32, verse 11. 
Rejoice and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. This one's very similar to Psalm 33, but it reinforces the fact that to rejoice and be glad is in fact a commandment for you and me. Psalm 66 verse 1. Shout with joy to God all the earth. Again, if we live here on earth, the simple commandment is to shout with joy to God. Psalm 98 verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. And this is the fifth time we have read something very similar, telling us that we need to be acting with joy before the Lord, shouting and singing. Burst into jubilant song. When was the last time your joy overflowed so much that it burst out of you as a song? If you're wanting to grow joy in your life right now, then start with your mouth. When we start singing and shouting praise to God with our mouths, as we're told to do, we will begin to grow the process of joy in our lives. And that's been one of the things that has really helped me to put joy back into my life. So we've seen five examples, five sample verses from the Old Testament and the Psalms in particular that tell us that we need to have joy. And there are plenty more where they came from. But is this just an Old Testament thing? Let's have a look at a few New Testament instructions that tell us to have joy and see if they present the same invitation and commandment from God to join him in joyfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. Be joyful always. Now, that seems like a non-negotiable sort of instruction to me. And when we're told to be joyful always, we need to remember that always should take up a lot of our time. God is wanting us to have a lifetime of joy. He's full of joy and he wants us to share his joy. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, be miserable always. So why do we choose it, even for a moment? Philippians 4 verse 4, it's one of my favourite ones. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Here is another simple instruction. Paul thought it was important enough to repeat after he had only just said it. Rejoice! And again I say, rejoice! He's repeated his message about rejoicing to the Philippians and to us because it's so important and we so easily forget what's good for us. Romans 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Hope is what keeps us pinned to our faith. So the instruction here is that while we have faith and hope, our task is to rejoice in that hope. So there are three commandments in the New Testament that tell us the same as the Old Testament, that we need to have joy and rejoice. Rejoicing is all very well when things are going well. When you've been stirred up on a Sunday morning, or when you have something special to celebrate. 
Bursting into song, giving thanks for your hope, shouting for joy are all much easier when life is good. But the commandments about rejoicing don't only apply when life is good. Rejoicing is a commandment even when things start to go pear-shaped. Even when you face persecution, pandemics, job loss or the effects of a burnout. This next quote is directly from Jesus. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Persecution and insults mean things are going to feel pretty bad. But there is the commandment in black and white. Rejoice and be glad, even in the darkest times. And if you choose to have joy in the dark times, I can tell you from experience that it makes the dark times so much easier to bear. One last New Testament quote reinforces what Jesus said about rejoicing in the hard times. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Yes, joy is a commandment, even when we seem to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even after we've been crying uncontrollably on our beds. The instruction to have joy might be commandments, but they're not there just to give us another unachievable thing to do in life. The commandments to have joy are to make our lives easier, more fun, to reduce our burdens and to make us more like him. And they really make a difference. We've looked at five commandments from the Old Testament and five from the New Testament. And if they were the only times God had told us to rejoice in the Bible, that would be enough. If something is repeated 10 times through the Bible, we know it must be important. And the command to have joy is repeated much more than that. So what if these are suggestions rather than commandments? Would that mean we could get away without having to obey the simple and pleasurable commandment of having to rejoice? Well, let's have a look at the context around be joyful always the commandment we read earlier, to see if the whole passage gives us any idea as to whether these are suggestions or commandments. Reading from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15 to 18. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We know the command about paying back evil for evil. That's definitely a commandment. Jesus explained it in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. We also know that Jesus commanded us to be kind and love your enemies. So being kind is not negotiable either. And then we have the instruction to be joyful. It's in the same context 
It's plain that it's a commandment, not just a suggestion. To be joyful always is equally important to not repaying evil for evil, to being kind, to giving thanks. And this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. To rejoice is a commandment that's repeated more than most of the other commandments we do our best to keep in the Bible. We understand it. We know what it means. It's also something that we're going to enjoy that's going to make life better, easier, and going to turn us into more godly people. We don't give joy the attention it deserves. This simple commandment, the commandment to be joyful, is so easily ignored or forgotten. Joy is a spiritual discipline. It's a fruit of the Spirit that should be developing in our lives. If we were living the way Jesus wants us to live, then our joy would be growing and blossoming. We're told that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. Joy is a very important part of our spirit fruit. Now, I tend to think of the fruit of the Spirit as one fruit called love. Love is made up of all the different parts of the fruit, like the segments in an orange. Patience, kindness, peace, self-control, and so on. An impatient person does not show love, nor does someone without self-control. An unkind person does not show love. And in the same way, you can't have love without joy. Does a joyless, grumpy, argumentative, woeful person display the love of God? I think you know the answer to that. We need joy if we are going to develop the love of God and have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Occasionally, you might have seen people making trouble, causing division, taking away peace. Someone you know might have been told off sometime for being impatient or unkind. Many people have come down hard on those who are unfaithful and cause marriage or relationship breakdowns. Nearly all the parts of the fruit of the Spirit are taken seriously when they get turned on their head. But has anyone been reproved for their lack of joy? I suspect not. If we are serious about developing love, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then joy should be as high a priority as the rest of its parts. If we're going to grow joy, then we need to be helping each other to have joy. Paul's letter to the Philippians is a great encouragement to all of us to have joy and to grow it in each other. These are some of the things he said to them. Philippians 1 verse 4 In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. We need to be people like the believers in Philippi whose lives make other people joyful. They made Paul joyful. They made him so joyful that he always prayed with joy when he remembered them. Philippians 1 verse 25 to 26 I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith 
so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Paul was a joy spreader. One of his aims in life was to infect other people like the believers in Philippi with joy. And that should be our aim too. When we meet with other people, we need to be joy spreaders, pointing each other to Christ and the joy that we have in him. If we go to a meeting or a Bible class, our aim should be that those we talk to should leave more joyful than when they came. Imagine how big our Bible classes and other meetings would be, would get if we all did that. We would actually want to come. Philippians 2 verse 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. The more united and like-minded we are, the more we will create joy. So if we want to create joy, let's also create unity. Be united to create joy in each other. We have seen that our joy is very important to God. It was so important to God that he set aside certain times in Israel as Especially designed to create joy. The weekly Sabbath days, three total weeks of feasting and holidays, except for the Day of Atonement, and various other celebrations were all designed to grow joy in God's people. They were commanded to have three weeks of joyful celebration compared to one day mourning. Their sacrifice and offering, their thankfulness for God's provision and harvest, their protection from their enemies should all have grown their joy. God wanted them to be a nation of happy people. God wanted Israel to be his shop window to the rest of the world to show what a joy it was to be to serve the Lord. But instead, like mine, Israel's service became rituals and sacrificed ungrudgingly obeying to the letter, arguments and works without the spirit of joy. Their joyless spirit was so repulsive to God that he ejected them from the promised land and said, all these curses will come upon you because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Deuteronomy 28 verse 45 47. What about us? Are we serving God joyfully and gladly right where we are right now? Because if we are not, we're placing ourselves in the same danger of ejection from God's kingdom as Israel was. If you are like me and finding joy is elusive, then stay tuned in. Because in future articles, I want to show you how to grow your joy back again. So, you might be thinking, Yes, but aren't we supposed to bear our afflictions? Endure! Fight the fight! Persevere under trial! Repent! Confess! And carry our cross! There are times when all those need to be done. But joy can lead the way. Jesus very literally carried his cross from the city to the place of his crucifixion. 
that can't have been a happy time. But in Jesus, even the walk to the cross was motivated by joy. The writer to the Hebrews encourages us to look at Jesus as our example for the way we live. This is what he says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Joy is a simple little word. Three letters in English repeated hundreds of times through the pages of the Bible. Joy is a commandment, a commandment that we humans forget all too quickly, a commandment that we take too lightly, a commandment that we think is not as important as all the rest, and yet joy is more than a commandment. It's an invitation to enter into the joy of the Lord. But if we disobey, we have Israel's example to look to. Joy is easy to do. And I'm going to share with you what has helped me grow my joy in the next few articles. To be joyful is a pleasure. Having joy is fun. God wants us to enjoy our lives and the hope we have. So if you want to start right now, then start with these ideas. Be thankful. Burst into song. Make music. Be enthusiastic. Encourage others. Stop arguing. Give thanks. Be united. Celebrate and express your gratitude. And while you're at it, make sure you tell your face that you're joyful. Someone once said, the fruit of the Spirit is not prunes. Make sure your face doesn't have the look of a sour prune when you are supposed to be showing joy. Think about what it looks like when someone has joy. A mother with a brand new baby. The shepherd who finds the sheep that was lost. The bride or groom on their wedding day. They're not rejoicing on the inside and looking miserable on the outside. Their joy overflows. It shows on their face, in their actions, in their words. That's the sort of joy we should be showing. That's the sort of joy God wants from us. That's the sort of joy that should be showing on our faces. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy is a commandment, a pleasurable commandment at that. It's an invitation into the joy of our Lord. and joy will bring us healing and love. It has for me, and it will for you too. Let's have joy in our lives, and let our faces show it. <laughs>